If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. I'm happy to, to bring the word to you today. I uh, started a, a, a series last week called Why Am I Here? And, and really, I'm asking the question about why on earth? Why am I here on earth? You know, that we, we, um, we have a very important purpose here as human beings on planet earth. And it is by God's design, it is by God's plan that you're here. Now, you might say, well, I didn't get here. Uh, be, uh, my, my mom and dad didn't intend on me being here. Yeah, but that didn't take God by surprise. I mean, they, they might not have intended on you being here, but the moment you were conceived, God put a plan in action. All right, so you didn't take him by surprise. He just pulled you right into his plan and his will and his purpose because he's that big and he can make adjustments. He did more than just make an adjustment for you, though. He gave you a great destiny here on planet Earth. You know, our lives are meant to be lived large because if we are in Christ, old things are gone and new things have come, and that means the limits are off when it comes to a life served for Jesus. The limits are off. Jesus continually took the lid off when he said certain phrases throughout the Scripture. And, and what the saddest thing, one of the saddest things to me is that religion is always trying to put the lid back on with the what ifs, the ands, buts, but you know, you know, when he says like ridiculous statements like whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart but believes that whatever he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. And all of a sudden here comes the ifs, ands, buts, or ah, oh, yeah, but, but, but. Jesus never finished it with that. He just let it hang out there. Ask and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. Yeah, but, and if, or. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone uh, who knocks, the door will be open. I love, I love the truth of Jesus, and I love the limitlessness of a life lived in Christ. But we got to believe this thing in order to receive the benefits of this limitless life. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But Jesus said, hey, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Again, the lid's off. Hallelujah. The only limitation about the entire thing is our faith. Can we believe it? Can we truly believe that anything's possible? Amen. I believe that today. I believe it more and more. The longer I walk with God, the more I'm amazed at His willingness to show me great things and to do great things to me and through me. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've been in this, we started this series, but why am I here? And I asked you a question last week, like, how would you define your life? Would you define it by, by your job title or, or your family title, or would you define it by the things that you have accumulated in life? And, but as believers, we understand that our lives are so much more than that. And, and I believe that we all agree here today that we are all looking to the Bible to be our guide and that we're doing our best to live by its truth and be led by the Spirit, that we would all agree today that the most important thing concerning a person on planet Earth is that they have a born-again experience, is that they come into a real relationship with God, is that they come to know Christ. Am I in the right church today? Is this, this is the most important thing above all other decisions that anyone can make. The, the kind of job they'll have, the kind of job, the car they'll drive, or the kind of person they'll marry, or how many kids they're going to have. The most important thing is that we decide to give our lives to Christ. 
that we fully accept that he died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again from the dead, right? That that's the most important thing, that we all come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? So there's, there's, he helps us have a bigger perspective about our life then. It's more than just the, uh, being consistent of the things that we accumulate. As I said last week, you know, the things that you accumulate in life, when you pass away, your kids and grandkids are going to put it on the driveway and put five cents on it, right? So life has got to be more than just things that you accumulate. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be receiving communion this morning together um, toward the end of this message. But uh, I want to get just a couple of things into you today. And as we continue on this thought, Matthew chapter 5, and this is Jesus speaking again. In verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine, where? Say it real loud. No, say it real loud. Oh, there you go. Okay, now you're a good class. <laughs> Let your light so shine. Oh, you said the right thing. Before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Let your light so shine before men. Wow, that's, this is an amazing thought, isn't it? That Jesus teaches us when it comes to us and our relationship with God that this is not just a personal thing. This is not something to be experienced in a dark corner somewhere and us singing the old song, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Hey, listen, you and Jesus ain't got nothing. I mean, if you're only about you and him and nothing else, because he's about building his church. I mean, in his dying breath, he's still winning people to himself, Right? He's still building the kingdom, still building the church. As a man is hanging there on that cross next to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He's continuing to build the church, continuing to build the kingdom, right? So then we must be about what he is about. And if you've got your thing going with Jesus, then you're going to begin to quickly understand that Jesus is about this world. Jesus is about people. And he's about everyone having an encounter with God. I like the word encounter. It means, I don't remember what it means. A collision with the unexpected. A collision with the unexpected. Y'all remember the song when I was, uh, before I went into full-time ministry after I graduated Bible college. I've told you guys this before. I'm, I, you know, as a Bible school student, many times thinks about themselves that anybody wants to hire me now. Somebody's going to be privileged to have me, a Christ for the Nations graduate. And, uh, and I thought, surely my dad, who's a pastor, would have me. Well, he wouldn't have me. The time the church wasn't ready to hire somebody else. Uh, so I came back home to San Angelo and, and got a job at Johnson's Funeral Home. And I went over there actually as a joke. Me and a friend of mine, I just kind of dared him to let's pull over there and put an application in just so we have a story to tell. And they ended up hiring both of us. So uh, I didn't really have much choice because uh, jobs were kind of hard to find then. And uh, so I worked a summer job at the funeral home. Um, 
I don't recommend that that's something that you just kind of on a whim go and do. You might want to think that kind of job through before you get into that, okay? Because there's a, uh, well, it's stunning, I'll say that. But I learned a lot. I, I really learned a lot. But I, I, so I, I've sat through many, many funerals all day long, and I listened to many sermons and heard many songs. And Psalm 23 is the most popular psalm at a funeral. And I love, the, I love that psalm, but I hate that it's just mostly minimized to a funeral because it's, there's such life in that psalm. But one of the songs that I continually heard, especially at older folks' funeral, was, I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. Y'all know the song? Some of you do. But then it gets to the choruses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. I go, really? So you've got this exceptional relationship with Jesus that nobody else has ever known. I mean, I appreciate the song. I think it's pretty, but it's, I don't want that experience just for me. I want everyone to experience this amazing walk with him, right? Amen. That, that, uh, uh, Let's look at verse 16 again. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So let me just say this and remind you again that we believe that it's by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. We understand that God gives grace and we give faith. And when that happens, in that collision of faith and grace, supernatural things happen. A supernatural birth happens. A miracle happens at that moment. And then from that day forward, grace continues to meet faith as you continue to live by faith. And God continues to do supernatural things in your life. I'm, I love that about God, that He continues to show us wonderful things. The new birth experience is not the only miracle you experience. It's not the only plan that your whole life is to be lived in a series of miracles. Amen. So we understand that your good works will not get you into heaven. But let me say something about your good works. They'll help other people get there. Amen. That's why you need to live this Christian experience. Because you are a light. And the light's not meant to be under a lid. It's not meant to be under the bed. It's meant to be set on a lampstand, as Jesus said, so that all can see. Your life is on display today. Amen. And I hope that encourages you. It should. First Peter chapter 3, that all let us all know just how incredibly special we are in the eyes of God. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now there are lots of definitions for sanctify here, and most of the time it means to separate oneself from profane things. That's, that's the normal definition of sanctification. And that's what we're that's what we're going through right now. Right now, I'm going to give you some good theological words today. There's justification, sanctification, and glorification, all right? Justification has to do with your spirit. Has to, that happens the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Scripture says that by faith you have been justified, all right? Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. The slate is clean. I am righteous 
in Christ, right? That happens in the Spirit. But then there's the sanctification process going on right now. This is called renewing your mind. This is called continually living a life of repentance. Repentance just means changing your mind. It, it means to, to get your mind on the things of God, right? It's, it, it's, a, it's a heart that is set to do whatever God wants, not really what I want to do. But you know what you're going to find out? That if you really love God, then you'll want to do what God wants you to do. You'll find more joy and pleasure and happiness in that than any other thing. Nothing else can satisfy like living in His will. And so there's this continual separating process because you cannot have the mind of this world and live the life of Christ. So we have to set our mind on things above and not on things of the earth because Romans chapter 8 teaches this very important thing. It says those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. So it's through the mind that we live either by the flesh or by the Spirit. All right, so we got to get our minds right. we got to get our thinking right. But then there's this thing called glorification. That's the day when this body will be made all over again. And we'll receive a whole new body. All the aches and pains and the weaknesses and the frailties and the sickness will all be gone. Hallelujah. This body will be made to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So let me just say it like this. You were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Spirit, soul, and body. The salvation process is for every dimension of man. Spirit, soul, and body, all right? So right now, but sanctification means to separate from profane things. But here, it doesn't really mean that. It actually means to acknowledge or to, to render or acknowledge. So, but to, listen, look at this. But acknowledge the Lord God in your hearts. See, you know, every day, you and I ought to wake up in the morning and realize that we have just been given a gift from God. Do this with me. That's a precious gift from God to you today. And every breath that follows is a precious gift from God. So when you wake up in the morning, you know, there are people that didn't wake up today, but you did. This is a gift from God. And what you do in that day is your return on that gift. And this is to acknowledge the Lord God in your hearts. The moment our eyes pop open, we ought to remember Christ in me, the hope of glory. This is a gift from God today. And God, I acknowledge you right now that you're in my heart. And if you're in my heart, then you are at the very core of my life. Because out of the heart come the issues of life. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you hearing me today? So you acknowledge that God is in your heart, that it's Jesus is Lord. That's, he sits on the throne of your heart. And see, that sets the tone of what kind of day you're going to have and what kind of things you're going to experience. Because if you pop your head off your pillow stressed out because you didn't finish yesterday's work, then there's a good chance that you're not going to take a moment to connect to God and get in the groove with the Spirit. And you'll find yourself working and spinning in circles in your own strength and in your own power and really doing much or little about, little much about the things of God. And you're called to a greater reality than this. we got to remember to always keep that eternal perspective on in our lives and realize that God loves the world. God loves people and that we are a light in this world and our lives are to be seen so that men would see what God looks like in us, that we would see His power, we would see His presence, we, we, they would see His love and His grace and His peace and joy. This is what he says. 
is what Peter says, but sanctify or acknowledge the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. See, and if you'll acknowledge that God is in your heart, if you'll acknowledge that you, your, your life is not your own, but your life has been purchased by God and you are precious to Him, if you'll acknowledge Christ in me today, the hope of glory, and I've got this God inside consciousness, then that will make you ready to say what you need to say and do what you need to do. That'll get your perspective on the right kind of thing. And here he says, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for evil. Now, I want you to listen to the message translation on this. This verses 15 and 16 in this is beautiful. It says, through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ your Master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are, and always with the utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing they're the ones that need a bath. It's well said. I want to say this to you today. There's a, there is a chance. There's a chance that the trouble that you're facing, maybe on the job or maybe in whatever situation you're in, maybe that trouble's there because you are doing the right thing. And maybe it's not about you just making bad choices that has brought this trouble because Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the way. He said, don't, be, don't marvel that men hate you. Hey, don't forget the moment you got in Christ, everything about this world started working against you. Right? You've got three things every day that are working against you. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Right? But here's the cool thing. You've got victory over all those things in Christ. You can win that deal. You already have one because he won. And he's put a spirit of a conqueror inside of you. As a matter of fact, the scripture says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. So don't be surprised at resistance. Don't be surprised when you run into trouble because, you know, a lot of times we, 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 we are quick to just try to escape that, that deal rather than seek the Lord right in the middle of it and say, okay, God, show me. Show me what you want to show me here. There's a good chance that maybe on that job there are those who need you there. They need your light shining because nobody else is doing it. They might need to hear you speak. They, I mean, who's going who's gonna to be there for the coworker who shows up uh, fresh from a divorce? Husband left her, and she's got nobody to talk to, nobody to, nobody to give answers. Maybe that's why you're there. Maybe that's why. Maybe you are connected to a greater purpose than just the job. You know, you're, you're, you're all ministers for Christ wherever you go. Amen. If you're a Christian, you are a minister. This is not just the pastor's job. I'm here to equip you, the Scripture says, for the work of the ministry. Amen. This is your job. God's put you in those places so that you can be that light, so that they can see your good works. They can see God. Are you with me? I mean, anyone can just go get a new job. Anyone can go change their situation. Anybody can move, right? But I'm going to tell you this, that wherever you go, you're going to find trouble because you're a believer. Hello. Because you don't think like this world thinks. You don't believe like this world believes. So you're going to face resistance on every level. Amen. My mother-in-law cut hair for over 40 years. I think that's one of the most underestimated jobs out there. Because the hairdresser 
is cutting hair and has to listen. And the people that are sitting in the chair are going to talk. I've been in many salons, and I know that there's a lot of talk in those places. But you know what? My mother-in-law um, is a, a, a great grace about her. And that, that people will tell the hairdresser things they will not tell other people. I mean, there'll be about three people that people confide in, hairdresser, pastor, and Google, right? <laughs> but let me say this. Wherever you are, you're a light. And as we continue to say here at One Cause Church, be who you are and do what you do. Yeah. Amen. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, so be that and do what you do. That is, let that fruit of righteousness grow. Fruit it out, man. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2. Everybody okay out there? Look at this. He says, you are our epistle or letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. So Jesus taught us that we're a light, and Paul teaches us that we're a letter. Either way, it will be seen and known and read. Clearly, you are an, an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. Again, your life is on display. So what do others see and know about you? What do they read when they read your life? When they hear the things you say and they see the things you do, what picture are they seeing? What, what is being demonstrated? What is being displayed? Are the lights on? Are you shining that light clearly so others can see? I, I want to be at the place in my life like the Apostle Paul was continually where he said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, all of us need to make that the motto of our life, the theme, the goal that we can clear, clearly and freely say, follow me, because where I'm going, I'm, gonna, I'm going to lead you to Jesus. That's where my life is going. And the evidence is clear. Hopefully you're not the guy that's stomping around the job with a funky attitude. Right? Hopefully you're the one that gets the job done and works quietly. And hopefully you're the one that talks well of the boss, even when they're not there. Okay. <laughs> How many public school teachers do we have here t this morning? Can you raise your hands? Public school teachers. There's one over here, one over here. Can we give our teachers a big hand? <clears throat> While they try to breathe some relief this summer, because what they're going into is very difficult. I wouldn't be a school teacher. I mean, there, there would definitely have to be the thunder from the sky and the audible voice saying, Eric, you must be a school teacher. Other than that, it ain't happening, right? I respect these school teachers. And you know, today more and more, we need more Christian teachers in our public schools than ever before. And I'm, I'm grateful, and I, and I believe in, in getting a good education, and I don't believe it's necessarily found in our public school system. Uh, there's a lot of problems in it. But my children attended public school, and uh, I, I was, most of my schooling was in a 
private school, a Christian school, and, and I'm grateful for that, but we had our own set of problems too. There's problems everywhere. But Heather and I, when we were thinking about schooling for our children, one of the things that we wanted to instill in our children is this eternal truth that we are here to be lights, that our main purpose here, the most important thing for people is to have an experience with God. And so we want to be the agents for that, to help them come to know Christ. So I told Heather, I said, you know, I I appreciate Christian education. We can do that. But who's going to go to the public school? Who's going to be the light there? I mean, we're training up our child, our children in such a way that we believe that they're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're training up our children to know God. Why are, we, why are we doing this? Just so they can be strong Christians or so that they can be lights where they go? Why don't we put our kids in the school system and let them be lights there? All right, now if your kids are in Christian school, I'm not here to throw rocks out. I, I, go for it. You do what you do. But this is, this is just the conclusion we came to because I wanted my children from a very early age to understand that they have a message to bring to the world. Amen. I don't teach them evangelism when they turn 19. Okay, now, right? But get it in, in them at a young age. Understand that everybody at their age needs Christ, no matter what age they are. That There's some child out there that needs them in their life. Amen. And so we put our children in the, and let me tell you, it's been challenging because I, I know, I mean, I, it makes me cringe to think about the things that my kids are exposed to sometimes. They hear things I wish they wouldn't hear, and they see things I wish they wouldn't see. But I also know this, that there are children in our youth group today and who continue to come because my kids bring them. And they give them the opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ. And to me, that is the most important, beautiful thing. And like I said, we have our challenges along the way. My children have faced ridicule, especially when they found out that, find out that they're pastor's kids, right? Pastor's kids, well, they're, special, they're just a special breed of kids because there's a lot of expectations on them. And I grew up with that expectation on my life, and so I know what they're feeling. I know the kinds of unfairness that goes on with pastor's kids. But I also tell them this, and because they come to me from time to time, and say, again, it's hard being, I don't want to be a pastor's kid. I know, I know. But you know what? The Lord thought enough of you that he put you in this family because he believes that you can handle it. He believes that you're up for the task. So you need to believe that too. Amen. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, you're a light. You're a letter. Wherever you are, you're a light, you're a letter. Say that. I'm a light. I'm a letter. I'm on display. Amen. I want to finish with this, and then we'll have communion. In Acts chapter 16, I won't go into all the Scripture, but I want our guys to bring up the map if they would and bring me that cool laser pointer. Thank you, my friend. Oh, yeah. E R I C. Okay. So we're, we're looking at Paul's uh, second missionary journey, and this is when he and Barnabas had had a, a big dispute and they split ways, and Barnabas took 
John Mark with him and sail off to Cyprus. And you see that toward the end of Acts chapter 15. And we're coming into 16, and Paul has taken Silas with him. And what he wanted to do was just go and, and revisit the churches that they had helped establish and that they had come into relationship with and wanted to get a report on how things were going and to strengthen and encourage everyone. And so they were planning on going. And, oh, and by, by the first part of Acts chapter 16, he'd picked up Timothy and uh, brought him along with him as well. So they go on this trip, and um, they go up to uh, Phrygia, and the Holy Spirit forbids them to stay there and, and, and share the gospel. So then they go over to this place called Mysia, and, and then they can't go there either. They're, they're forbidden by the Lord to do that. So then they try to go back here to Bithynia, and then they are forbidden there, and then they end up at Troas. So there's kind of zigzag because Paul's trying to stay in Asia to preach the gospel, but the Lord's not wanting him to preach in Asia. He's wanting him to go west, young man. And so he had a vision at this point when they get there. He had a vision in, um, of a man over in Macedonia, which is over there, in Macedonia, saying, come over and help us. And Luke says, when Paul had seen the vision, we all set to go, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? Paul saw the vision, but they all felt called. That's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of the church. We're all called together in this still. All right? Paul saw the vision. They all felt called to go. So then they make their way across the Aegean Sea, and then they end up in Philippi, which is the first city there in that Macedonian region. And they land there in Philippi, and Saul, I mean, Paul, that is, he's Paul by now, they, they end up going down to this river where, because there's no synagogue there, but the people are gathered there to pray. And they come up on this group of women, one by the name of Lydia, who, as the scripture defined her, was a seller of purple. And purple was very difficult to come by back in those days. Very difficult. As a matter of fact, they would have to extract this dye from a shelf or from a crustacean and basically get about a drop from it. All right, so it was very expensive. It was very tedious to get this dye. And mostly royalty wore purple. We don't, I mean, it's very easy for us to come across it today. But back then it was very difficult and um, very expensive. So Lydia, the seller of purple, the scripture says that the Lord opened her heart to the gospel. She heard the gospel, and her and all of her house were saved and baptized. And then she began to help Paul support him and, uh, him and his ministry. And then right after this lady named Lydia, then they come across this little slave girl, and she was a slave to, um, to perform soothsaying and that kind of stuff, so that these guys who lorded over her, basically just pimps is what they were, uh, profited from her business. And so uh, she's following behind Paul and these guys, and she seems to be saying the right kinds of things. These are men of God. They, prepare, they tell the way of salvation. This is good stuff. But she kept on and on and on. I like the way the scripture says it. It says that Paul became greatly annoyed and turned around and said, Spirit, come out of her. And the Spirit left her. And now all of a sudden, all their hopes for profit for this little girl are gone. The slave girl is set free by the delivering power of God. And so now they, these guys uh, get all upset about it. They go before the magistrates. Before long, Paul and Silas, are, their clothes are ripped off of them. They're beaten and they're thrown into prison. So far, this Macedonian call isn't going so well. They have two converts, a lady who sells purple and a slave girl. And now they find themselves in this prison. The scripture says it's midnight, and they began to sing praises. You know the story. And 
the first jailhouse rock. Right? The prison doors are open, the chains fall off of them, and the jailer who thought that everyone had escaped goes to kill himself because he's going to die anyway because his life is on the line if anyone escapes. But Paul says, no, don't do yourself any harm. We're all accounted for. Everybody's here. And the Scripture says that the man ran into the prison to Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul told him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your house will be saved. And they all were. So we have three converts. We have a woman who sells purple. We have a slave girl who is set free from demonic oppression. We have a Gentile um, um, security guard who has just been saved. Now, on the surface, that might not look like much to you. But I want to say this is revolutionary for the Apostle Paul. Life-changing for this former Pharisee. Because tradition would have it with the Pharisees, they have to pray three times a day. And one of their prayers of thanksgiving goes like this. Now, I don't, it's debatable whether it goes all the way back to the Apostle Paul, but it seems to be tied to him by some things that happened in his ministry. And one of the prayers that they pray is, God, most high of heaven and earth, thank you that I am not a Gentile. Thank you that I am not a slave, and thank you that I'm not a woman. Now, isn't that interesting? A woman, a slave, and a Gentile get saved in Philippi, the first three converts. The first three that he thanks God that he's not like. And that's why Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, really comes alive. Let's bring that up for all to see. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? So this, this here is to teach all of us to get rid of the preconceived notions and the opinions and the prejudices that we might have that would be barriers to us to share the gospel with all mankind because we are lights for all to see. We are letters for all to read. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.